This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, Miami Hurricanes fans? We're back with another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined by Gabby Urrutia. And Gabby, we're going to get into some NFL draft reaction uh, for Miami Hurricanes. Heard their names called um, during the course of the three-day event. Uh, I think all four of those guys and Jose Borregales, who did not have his name called, but I, I would include him in this. I think they all landed in good spots uh, for their careers to start. So we're going to dive into that here in, in the first half of the show and then take a break. And in the second half, we're going to go on the recruiting trail with Gabby. He's he's already made some stops uh, with, with spring football started here in, in the state of Florida at the high school level. Uh, and, and he's going to give us some insight into those stops, what he saw, in addition to more talk with, with what Miami has planned for the month of June with visits opening up both unofficial and official. But first, Gabby, how you doing, man? Did you get a chance to, I mean, I guess just how much of the NFL draft did you watch? I assume you watched it, but how much of it were you locked in on? Yeah, no, I, I watched a lot of it. I mean, the whole first round, I was locked in the entire time. Uh, day two, uh, was kind of running around doing some errands and stuff, so I caught most of it, but I had my NFL draft tracker like on like the tweet notifications on, so I was getting like, all the picks like in real time and all that stuff. So I, I was pretty locked in, man. I was pretty locked in. I, I, I watched all the way through like the seventh round with my dad and my brother, like just kind of hanging out and stuff on Saturday. So it, it was I, I was fairly locked into the NFL draft. How about you? Yeah, no, it's, it's a fun event. I will admit, you know, I, I start, uh, losing some gas at, at around round six. It, yeah, it kind yeah, of becomes tough. a little monotonous with watching it, but had to stay locked in because Quincy Roche was still on board and Jose Borregales was still out there. Um, but, but I always enjoy watching the, the first five rounds or so. I, I feel like in those rounds, there's always quality players. And there's always those hidden gems in round six and seven. And, and maybe Quincy turns out to be one of those guys. But let's jump in here with with at the top of the draft, the first hurricane to get selected, Gabby. Um, Jalen Phillips going to be uh, staying close, or I guess his home away from home. Let's call Miami, right? Uh, picked number 18 overall by the Miami Dolphins. Uh I guess you're a Dolphins fan, right, Gabby? So number one, oh, yeah. did you like the pick from that perspective? And number two, um, you know, how good of a fit do you think this will be for Jalen? Oh man, I love the pick. Like I, I was like pumped. Like I, I, I was, like my dad was like watering the grass outside or something. I, or like doing something outside because they just did all landscape. I was like, we drafted, we drafted Jalen. 
And I was just like, I was super pumped about it, like from a Dolphins fan perspective. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a solid pick. I think it's a good fit, you know, just with the, with, you know, with the way Brian Flores works that defense, you know, like this is a guy that they identify that they really like. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to do great things here. You know, I think Miami has a kind of a need for a pass rusher. And, you know, I think Jalen Phillips checks, checks a lot of the boxes. And so, you know, just kind of seeing how Jalen Phillips like continues to progress as he like stacks on, you know, just the consistency of it, of just like really just staying in a full, like in just a like, football shape consistently over the next few years. I think that he's going to, I think he's really going to continue to trend back up towards that, you know, five-star number one overall player kind of status that he had. Like we saw flashes of it, but I think he's going to continue to just trend that way with the Dolphins. I, I love the pick. Yeah. It seems like, you know, the only question mark with Jalen was his health, yeah. uh, you know, kind of his concussion history, which was at UCLA, not necessarily at Miami, but at UCLA, I guess he dealt with a lot of concussions and a lot of the NFL draft analysts, you know, during the draft were, were pretty open about how they felt like he could be the number one defensive player in the entire draft. He was just sliding because of those concussion concerns, which, which are valid. And I agree. I think, you know, the dolphins really need an edge guy. I think Jalen's going to step in, be the starter there day one, be their best pass rusher day one. I think he has an opportunity to win the, the defensive rookie of the year award this year. You know, you look at the last two guys to win it. They've both been edge guys with chase young and Nick Bosa. Uh, winning those awards the last two years. So I think Jalen is kind of in a similar mold to those two guys. And the only question mark again is going to be health. I think if Jalen's healthy, he has everything you want in a big time edge player, big time NFL player in general. And this could end up being a steal for the dolphins and excited for Jalen. I'm excited to to continue to watch him, you know, as a Miami fan, dolphins fan, uh, see what he does in the NFL. Uh, let's go to the second pick now, Greg Rousseau, you know, there was talk leading up to the draft. He might be sliding into the second round. Uh, he squeaked in, squeaked into the first round first, you know, 30th overall pick to the Buffalo bills. Um, what, what's your take on that pick and that draft, that fit for Greg Rousseau? Yeah, honestly, I think it was. Like, like I, I thought it was best case scenario, honestly, for Greg, like he go, he's falling into a system, into a defense that's established, you know, it's a strong defense. One of the best in the AFC, uh, one of the best, I feel like just organizations right now, like as far as just like in terms, just like where that kind of organization is headed. Uh, I just feel like they're just like, an, uh, they're on that upward trend that, you know, he's going to be able to come in with like, you know, not the pressure of needing to contribute a ton right away, but also mm-hmm. being in a place where like, you know, they have guys around him where it's like not so much is going to be expected of him. And then he's also going to have that ability to kind of just like, you know, develop the way that he needs to and kind of get back into that rhythm of playing football again and just being a part of that. Cause really like, you know, redshirted as a true freshman played, played, you know, started six games as a redshirt freshman, then sat out again. And now just stepping right into the NFL. So, you know, I think just being a part of Buffalo and just like what they got going on there, I think it's a really good fit for him. So I think like the slide ended up kind of, I think it's ultimately going to end up benefiting him like long-term just because of the landing spot. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad he didn't get into the second round because, you know, then he goes to one of those, you know, maybe worse teams where more is going to be expected of him and all that stuff. And so I think that, uh, I think it's a great spot for him. And I think he's going to, you know, I think down the line, he's going to end up being a real contributor for that, for that Buffalo defense that, you know, they do, they just do such a good job over there. So I'm pretty pumped for him for that. Yeah, I agree. To your point, you know, in terms of he's a player that's still developing, right? And so one thing that makes it 
good for him, good for the Bills too, that he is a first round pick is that there is that fifth year option that the Bills can exercise, right? Because he's a first round pick. Um, and, and I think that's going to be key for Greg because like you hinted at, he is a guy that's still developing, um, you know, new to the position, relatively speaking. And so I think, you know, in year three, four, five uh, of this, of his time at the pro level, we're going to really see Greg uh, take off. And, you know, you, you touched on it, the bills, I kind of like what they're building on the defensive line last, last year, they, they took AJ Epinesa, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, I think is a talented guy. Didn't, didn't see a lot of them last year, uh, but, but I still believe in his talent. And then they added Boogie Basham out of Wake Forest in this draft with Greg. And to me, like those are three guys that are all versatile. Can All three of those guys can play inside and outside. And so, you know, I think that defensive line could be formidable, you know, in, in two, three, four, five years uh, once they all kind of hit their strides as developing players. Let's go on to the next pick, uh, Brevin Jordan. I think I was a little surprised he slid to the fifth round. I think I could have seen it where he, you know, was picked in the third or fourth round. But the fact that he lasted to the fifth round to me was was kind of surprising. Um, number one, Gabby, were you surprised that he slid to the fifth round, especially when you saw all the tight ends that were selected before him? Number two, uh, how good of a fit is he, do you think, with the Houston Texans? Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised just because, like, I just feel like in terms of, like, productivity, I feel like Brevin Jordan just did more, um, you know, than some of those guys. Uh, you know, I, I kind of get it. Like, you know, obviously, like, he's an undersized tight end. He maybe didn't test as well as maybe some might have thought. Uh, so I, kinda, I, I do understand it, like, the slide and all that stuff. So I still feel like just, like, as a football player, he's maybe better than some of those guys. I think he's going to end up having a better career than some of those guys drafted ahead of him. Uh, so, I mean, I think it just is what it is. Like Brevin Jordan is who he is. And that's just kind of like the reality of the NFL draft and how they're kind of projecting these guys and, you know, how they kind of view them as like, you know, the prototypical tight ends. And he's obviously not really that, you know, from like a size standpoint, um, Houston Texans, I think it's, I'm kind of 50, 50 on it. And, and it's just because, you know, I feel like if, you know, there's obviously just like that cloud over Deshaun Watson. Like, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? You know, Adam right. Schefter was reporting during the draft that it doesn't sound like he's going to play this year or something like that. And you know, I feel like if he does and he has that quarterback that just is a gunslinger, I feel like he'd fit in really well with that offense and stuff just because, you know, we saw what, you know, we, we know that they like to throw the ball and like Deshaun Watson's going to spin it. But if it's not Deshaun Watson, I feel like, you know, the Texans are going into just straight rebuild mode where it's just like, is Davis Mills going to be the starting quarterback? And, you know, what's that <laughs> offense really going to look like? And, you know, what's Brevin Jordan's role in that? Like, maybe, you know, if they're kind of going young and stuff and they're going to rebuild this, he might get a shot to play. You know, maybe he'll probably get some uh, chance to just, like, really be a part of the offense early on. But it just kind of makes me nervous just from, like, you know, how productive is he really going to be in an offense led by, you know, a rookie quarterback that isn't one of, like, the five top, you know, quote-unquote top guys that, that were coming out. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just like in wait and see mode about the Texans. I don't love it. You know, I would have loved to have seen them obviously, you know, for selfish reasons, go to like green Bay or I guess not even green Bay anymore. Cause who knows what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? but like, you know, one of these other like fun offenses where I think he could have just like, you know, found his little role in there. But, uh, yeah, so I'm just kind of, I'm kind of 50, 50 on it, honestly. Yeah. The, the quarterback situation, not ideal. 
I will say this though. I think the depth chart is pretty favorable for, for Brevin to rise up and emerge even as a starter in this first year. Houston returns Jordan Aikens, who had just over 400 yards last year at the tight end spot. You know, I think if, if Brevin ends up beating him out, I think he can be a more productive receiver than that. Um, so we'll see there, there's an opportunity for him there. I want to ask you this, Gabby, cause I think he's, he's really the only example from a Miami perspective in this draft of, you know, raising the question, uh, should Brevin have come back? And, and I guess the, the best way to answer it is, do we think if Brevin came back, could he have improved his draft stock? Could he have been a second round pick? Could he have been a third round pick, fourth round pick? Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, honestly, I don't know. Like I, I, that's what I've been kind of juggling with as well. It's just like, well, at any point would Brevin have been anything higher drafted higher than what he has been now. And I think the only way to really like, like secure that as like a yes would be, is he is would be if he came back and was just fully healthy, played right. a full slate of games and was just ultra productive again, you know, just kind of if he was who he was consistently for 12, 13 games and kind of showed that he was one of the premier tight ends in the, in the ACC, one of the premier tight ends in the country, you know, but I feel like he was already, but you always had that kind of like, you know, just wondering how healthy is he ever going to be? He never played a full season. I don't think he ever really came close to playing a full season. And so I think you kind of combine that with the fact that, you know, again, he is maybe a little bit undersized and he, again, he probably didn't test as well as he could have. And I think all those things, I mean, maybe this is just where he was going to end up going. And, you know, if that's the case, I think he made the right decision because why not just start up a year earlier, go make yeah. your money, go start finding, you know, your footing in the league and all that stuff. And while you're still young and all that and all those good things. So, you know, I, I again, I just think it's one of those situations where I, I don't know if we'll ever really know. And I don't think there's a sure like, yes, Brevin Jordan would have been a second or a third rounder if he came back. Like, I'm not sure if there's like a way to like really like know that honestly, yeah. just based on what we were able to see from him. I agree. I think, you know, it is largely dependent on his health. How many games would he have played? He never played more than nine games in a season during his UM career. Um, So if you're a betting man, you'd probably bet against his ability to play 12 or 13 games if he did come back next year. Uh, And and even if he did, I think he would he would maybe be a third round pick. Right. So you could make the argument like you were saying, is it worth it just to go get that money a year early? Uh, Go try and pursue that second contract, which is where all these guys that aren't picked in the first round are going to make their money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a valid argument to that, but again, we're just second guessing. And at the end of the day, we wish Brevin the best of the luck. And I think he did land in a decent situation for him to emerge as a potential starter as a rookie. Um, next guy, Quincy Roche, like I said earlier, uh, lasted till round six. Uh, I think he was picked in it by a good team though, obviously a good spot for him. Yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they kind of, their, their glamor position now for decades is that rush outside linebacker mm. spot. Right. Um, and, and so Quincy's, I wouldn't expect him at all to step in and start right away. Right. The, the Steelers have TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith there in those roles, but I think it's a good opportunity for Quincy to, to learn and develop for a year or two. And maybe if he shows enough, he, he can emerge as a, as a starter down the road. Um, number one, Gabby, were you surprised he slid this far? 
But number two, at the end of the day, it, it's a pretty strong fit, is it not? Yeah, I, I was honestly a little bit surprised because I thought, again, I, I thought he tested pretty well. Like, I thought he showed some good things. But, I mean, I know we were talking and, like, it's true at the end of the day. Like, he is a little bit of a tweener. Like, is he, like, was he, like, a 4-3 edge or is he more of a 3-4 outside linebacker? And it seems like the Steelers kind of view him as the latter. And, you know, again, like what you said, like, you have TJ Watt there. I mean, if you want to learn from anybody at the position, I think that's a pretty good guy to be sitting behind and consuming knowledge from and in an organization like the Steelers, like it doesn't really get much better from than that, you know, just from a professional standpoint. So, I mean, I, again, I do like the fit for, for Quincy. I hope that, you know, I just know he's a grinder. He, he's, he's had that professional mentality for a long time. You know, he's kind of been the, the underdog, you know, obviously didn't, wasn't highly recruited out of high school, uh, went to Temple, did a really good job over there after a couple of years. And, you know, ended up becoming, you know, who he was in that conference of defensive player of the year. So I do think that there's a chance that, you know, he can continue to grow and continue to develop and, you know, just be, you know, in a state that he and also in a, in a place that he's familiar with, you know, Temple, I'm pretty sure, you know, I mean, in, in Philadelphia, I'm not Philadelphia. Well, Temple is in Philadelphia, but in Pittsburgh, you know, just like, again, just a region that he's comfortable with. I think it's a, I think it's a solid spot for him. Last guy to talk about here is Jose Borgales, the kicker. I think most people were surprised he was not selected, um, but I think you could, at the end of the day, make the argument that it turned out to be a better situation for him because he could pick his spot, right, as an undrafted free agent. And he picked the reigning Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where, uh, again, I don't, I, I, last year their, their kicker was Ryan Suckup. I have to admit, I don't know if he's still on the roster. Uh, but if he is, that's going to be a, a competition where I think Jose has a big chance to win it. Um, suck up is, is kind of a guy who's had an up and down career as a kicker. I will say last year was one of the better years of his career. He went 28 of 31. Uh, but I think in terms of just pure leg talent, Jose Borregales, um, you know, it, is going to be tough to beat in that regard. What did you think of his, his landing spot as a Tampa Bay Bucks? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's awesome. You know, I think it's a chance for him to make some big kicks in an organization that's obviously going to compete for a Super Bowl as long as Tom Brady's the quarterback. Uh, yeah, and then you have Ryan Suck up there. And, you know, I feel like, you know, I would lean to, like what you mentioned, I would lean towards Jose Borgales in, in that competition, just a fresher leg. I feel like you see it, like, all over the league, right, where it's just, like, there's kind of, like, this, like, rotation of kickers yeah. where it's just, like, these young guys kind of come in and kind of, like, you know, just kind of just start taking spots and then maybe a couple years down the line, you know, things flip around and all that stuff. But I feel like there's a kind of like a constant like wheel. I feel like Jose Borgales is a guy that they're bringing in there with the expectation that, you know, he is going to be able to win that job Honest, from a salary cap standpoint. I'm sure it would be better for the bucks. Also, if Jose Borgales was the kicker, because I'm sure Ryan Suckup costs a little bit more money than, you know, an undrafted free agent like that. So, uh, I just think it's a great situation for, for the Bucks. I mean, for Jose and the Bucks, just he's going to have a chance to make some, some really, really big kicks, uh, potentially a game-winning field goal in the playoffs. Like, I would love to see Jose Borgales lining one up to, you know, help Tom Brady advance towards his eighth Super Bowl. Like, I can just – I can, like, envision a situation where we're seeing that in, like, you know, major NFL Sunday night football or something like that where he's just, like – the game is in Jose Borgales' hands and he splits it and – like I, I could just see that already happening, just, you know, given the situation and the circumstances and all that. So, yeah, again, wish all these guys best of luck at the NFL level. All five of these guys are great guys. Guys uh, 
all Miami Hurricanes fans should be proud of and cheer for as they pursue their NFL careers. Wish them the best of luck. Gabby, let's let's bring this back uh, kind of big picture, right? The NFL draft, it's in the books. Um, it's a time for a lot of hot takes to start flying. And you can take this any direction you want to take it, right, Gabby? Um, you can either just, you can look at it through the lens of, of Miami Hurricanes football, ACC football, conference football, uh, evaluation, you know, what positions we're, we're going off the board most, et cetera, et cetera. I'm curious though, now that the draft is in the books, um, what, what are, what is maybe the, the biggest takeaway you have from the draft, you know, from, from maybe an evaluation standpoint? Yeah. Um, I think play defensive back. <laughs> I think if uh, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot. I mean, there was a ton of defensive backs drafted a bunch of corners, you know, I just, you know, you see that there's obviously the elite of the elite, uh, you know, wide receivers, but you even saw some guys locally that like, you know, maybe weren't the highest rated guys. Like I know Greg Newsom, he played at IMG Academy, was a three-star win in the first round. Uh, Shamar, Gene Charles, I, I can't remember where he's from down here, but you know, he was like a two-star guy and he you know, went to App State and then he gets drafted. And, you know, like, I just feel like there's, I feel like they're just with, again, I know we've talked about this a bunch, like the NFL is a passing league with the ability to, to be a solid corner, all that stuff. I just feel like being a cornerback pays right now. Like, I just feel like some receivers are like a dime a dozen, unless you're getting one of these like elite guys, but you know, being a solid defensive back, like if I was a high school kid right now and it was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a solid receiver, but you know, I'm probably not going to go power five or anything like that. I would roll the dice go play cornerback and see if you can kind of make that happen because it seems like, you know, that's, that's a position that is of premium value right now, just based on like the numbers and all that stuff. So that's a, that's, that was my takeaway from the draft is play. Like, I think defensive backs are essential right now. So that's kind of what I took away. That was one of my biggest takeaways at least. Yeah. And, and kind of building on that point, right. I, I, when, you know, I'm, I'm big on elite, elite talent, right? So when you yeah. look at that first round, what stands out to me is offense, 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 right? Yeah. The, the first seven picks were all offensive guys. Only one of those picks was an offensive lineman. Um, the last one, I think, Pene Sewell was the last of those mm -hmm. first seven picks. The next two picks, like you were saying, were defensive backs. So the guys that got to cover those, those offensive guys, then it went back to quarterback and wide receiver. So, and also too, I think it's worth mentioning. We saw two running backs drafted in the first round, which yeah. had not happened the last two years. So uh, there's a big emphasis on offense. We see it at the college level. It, it's trickling up to the NFL level. And, and in a lot of ways, it kind of mirrors what's happening in basketball. You know, if, if you can't score points, you're not going to win uh, basketball. We're seeing, everyone value the three point shot, of course. Um, and, and players are getting better and better at that. And I think in football, we're seeing teams at, and players get better at the explosive plays that, you know, teams value the explosive plays. And so that comes of course, at the wide receiver position, quarterback position, you know, special running backs also generate explosive plays, Kyle Pitts, freak athlete there. So, you know, to me, it, it kind of uh, hammers home the point that, and Manny Diaz is trying to build this at Miami, right? He understands it's an offensive game now, and um, Miami, a lot of Miami success, you know, specifically here in 2021, is going to be dictated by how 
much better the wide receiver group or the, the pass catching group is in 2021 compared to 2020. Um, so that's something that stood out to me. I think an, another thing I want to touch on, Gabby, you know, looking, looking at this draft is, you know, and this is a common thing year after year after year from a Miami standpoint, looking at the guys that got away from South Florida, right? Yeah. And I think the two position groups that, that I have circled that, you know, interestingly, Miami's kind of been down at, you know, the, the last couple of years in terms of having recruiting success and developing those positions is cornerback and wide receiver. Uh, you know, you look at Patrick Sertain, first round pick, uh, Tyson Campbell, second round pick uh, at corner, uh, Asante Samuel Jr., second round pick at corner. And again, Miami's not going to get all these guys. I'm not saying that's fair to expect that, but yeah. I think you got to get at least one of them. And you could flip it to wide receiver too. You know, I think you look at Elijah Moore. That, sure. that's, that's kind of a head scratcher there, right? Because he yeah. wasn't even a highly, necessarily a super highly recruited guy. He went to Ole Miss and he definitely developed while he was at Ole Miss, definitely got better. But he's definitely a guy Miami could have used, right? The last two or three years. And, and I think you could say the same about Tutu Atwell at, at Louisville. So those are two second round receivers um, that, that left South Florida that Miami definitely could have used. Miami was also in the mix for Devonte Smith. Um, you know, they, they might've been running number two there at the end of the day, but uh, it's, it's tough to win those head to head battles against Alabama. So, you know, I look at those position groups and, and again, Miami's not going to get all these guys, but they need to get their fair share. And if they do, the winning I think is going to take off with, with how modern football is evolving into a game that's really played on the outside. I think you look at next year, right? There's Josh Job at Alabama, Jordan Battle at Alabama. I would say Zay Flowers, the Boston College wide receiver, has a chance to be a second-round pick maybe. Um, and so, you know, Miami just has to do a better job at landing those types of talents. I'm not saying the guys that they have on the roster now are bad, but it takes elite guys to win at the highest level. And so you have to – you do have to land some of those elite guys. Um, and, and I'm curious, you know, looking ahead, and this will kind of bleed into our next next topic a little bit, but I think Tyreek Stevenson might have a chance to, to kind of crack that top two round uh, status in next year's draft if he plays at the level that, that we kind of expect him to play. Um, he certainly has the physical gifts to, uh, to be a first or second round pick in next year's draft. I'm curious, you know, when, when you look ahead, Gabby, um, what are you expecting for next year's crop? Cause it looks like it could be a big, a big crop, but at the same time, you know, I think a lot of guys in general came back around the country so that the numbers are going to be much bigger in terms of guys uh, looking to get drafted next year. Do, do you think Miami is going to have a big 2022 NFL draft class or, you know, is it going to be in that five to eight, draft class range yeah i think it's i think that's interesting i think it can go both ways just because of what you're saying right like there's like people came back all over the country so i mean i could definitely see like you know a tyreek stevenson i could see a zion nelson um i could see bubba bolden you know if we see like pre-clemson bubba bolden like i think he has like 
insane potential if we can kind of if T-Rob can kind of tap back into that uh you know I think it could be a solid year you know just like you know given like you know the offensive linemen obviously a lot of experience there you know again at the wide receiver you got Mike Harley you got Charleston Rambo that could potentially take that next step you know if they kind of do what they're expected to do this year and you know I think that there's I think honestly if I was betting right now I would probably go like five to eight range just because mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know. I feel like you just still don't know with some of the guys. Like, I feel like it can kind of go both ways. I wouldn't be surprised if they got closer, like, you know, eight, nine, maybe 10. But at this point I would be more confident in like the five to eight range, just based on what we've seen. And that's not, that's not to say that there's not, you know, 10 draftable players on the roster or anything like that. It's just, you know, with, you know, all the factors considering I would, I would probably lean more that way. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, to my point earlier, I'm curious how the offensive and defensive skill players produce and, and you yeah. know, if if they generate some NFL draft pl- buzz. You know, I, you know, Derek King, I, I even include in that, right? Yeah. Uh, Cam Harris, is he going to get pushed by these young guys t- to mm-hmm. another level? Mike Harley, Charleston Rambo, you know, those guys are probably day three type picks. Um, but again, if they produce, maybe they push their way into into two day second day picks. Will Mallory, if he stays healthy, how high can he go? And then on defense, you know, I mentioned Tyreek. Uh, I I think DJ Ivy has some tools if, if he cleans some stuff up. And, and you mentioned Bubba Bolden, so I agree. Um, you know, in terms of next year, could could have big numbers, but but again, they probably have to win big to to generate those type of big numbers. Um, and let's, let's not sleep on Lou Headley, Percy Harvin, or what's his name? Presley yes. Harvin got drafted. So who knows if, uh, if Lou Headley gets the call in the seventh round late. In the, yeah. He's definitely positioned year. himself to be that type of guy. Um, but again, like you said, only one punter got picked this year. So yeah. it's tough to do. Um, last thing we'll touch on here with the NFL draft, and then we'll get into the recruiting stuff here after the break. Um, you know, I'm sure you've seen Gabby, like Zion Nelson's getting some, way, way, way too early first round draft pick buzz, uh, for that 2022 draft. Um, do you buy that and why or why not? Um, I don't yet. And, uh, yeah, I don't buy it yet. And that's not to say that, you know, I don't think he can be that. Um, I just think it's too soon to start saying Zion Nelson. Like, I don't think we've seen enough from Zion Nelson to just say, Hey, look, this, this is a first rounder. And I Agreed. think you could look at his frame and all that stuff and say, yeah, like maybe he could project that way. But to just like, I just think it's super premature, you know, like two seasons, that 2019 season, true freshman year. I mean, it was disastrous. Then he obviously bounced back this year. I think he made a significant stride this year. I think if he takes another, I think it would have to be another significant stride in 2021 for him to be in that first round conversation. Do you think he is Miami's best shot at having a first round pick? next year or would you highlight someone else honestly i mean i think tyreek stevenson has a shot just because like you know i just feel like he i just feel like you know he's kind of built in a way that you know he could you know again if he has a very strong season you know obviously considering that like you know he is who we kind of think he is and he really just elevates the defense i think maybe tyreek stevenson may i would say i would say yeah, but I'm not like super sold on that either. Like I could also see someone else doing it, like maybe like a Tyreek type. Now, uh, I don't know if you all saw, saw the other mock drafts. Like I had saw a mock draft that had Derek King going like 11th overall. 
I've seen oh, some that have like bubble. That. You didn't see that? Yeah, Fox Sports put a, a mock draft that had De'Aaron King going 11th overall. I thought it was like that was wow. like laughable to me, and that's not a knock on De'Aaron King. I just think that's absolutely ridiculous because I know you mentioned that he's going to measure at like five foot nine at the combine. Yeah. I know Miami has him listed at five eleven, but he is not that. And I think I saw another one that had Bubba Bolden going late first round too. So you never know, I guess. I mean, a couple of these guys with big seasons, I think have the potential to be first rounders, but you know, I would probably put like Zion, Tyreek Stevenson, maybe Bubba Bolden, depending on, you know, how he kind of, you know, progresses this year. And yeah, those would probably be my three guys. If I had to like put money right now, like one of these guys would be a first rounder. I'd call, I'd make my way too early prediction on Tyreek Stevenson I think if I'm gonna say who who has the best shot at being a first rounder I'd go Tyreek just because I think there are some similarities to you know Jalen Phillips trajectory mm-hmm. uh, you know just has the baseline freak athlete to him right and, and very good size um, just has to show it on the field and I think Tyreek will I think he'll be a good player for them this year so you know it worked out for Jalen this past year and and I think Tyreek is on a similar trajectory. You know, do I think he's a top half of the first round type? No, but I think Tyreek might be able to sneak into the, the second half of the first round. Because um, again, he, he is a freak athlete. And that's the NFL at the end of the day believes in their ability to continue to develop guys. And so they want to develop freak athletes with impressive body types. And Tyreek Stevenson uh, checks those boxes. So. Anything else on the NFL draft or should we take a break and jump into some recruiting stuff here, Gabby? Yeah, let's get into some, some, into some recruiting. All Ready right. For that. So we'll take a break here and, uh, and we'll get into some recruiting stuff with Gabby. All right, we're back, Gabby. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways we can go with this, but, but first let's, let's start, I guess, with some new official visitors setting their dates to come visit Coral Gables in June. Um, I guess you, you take the lead here. Um, you know, the first one, I guess we should talk about four-star cornerback Traquan Fagans set to visit Miami in early June. Um, tell us what we need to know there. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, I think that's a big official visit. Uh, you know, that had been in the works for a while. I reported it or probably like a month before that, you know, I was talking with, with his father and, you know, that was a visit that they were trying to get set up and they really wanted it to be their first official visit and they kind of made that happen. So uh, I think that's a big deal. I think that there's a, you know, there's legitimate interest on, on their end. And, um, you know, again, there's a four-star guy out of, out of Alabama, you know, Alabama has been involved, Georgia, South Carolina, Oklahoma, others involved. So, you know, this is a big deal that Miami is going to be able to get him on campus officially. Uh, he's been on campus already this year. You know, he plays with the Miami Immortals. He played multiple tournaments with the Miami Immortals on, you know, the seven on seven circuit. So he was down here for a tournament and he spent some time walking around campus with his dad and his little brother. Um, his little brother is also a stud too. You know, he's a 2025 cornerback, uh, Anquan. And, uh, you know, he, he already has a Miami offer. He has a Georgia offer as well. So, you know, he's going to be spending time with his brother on campus too. So I guess it's never really too early, but yeah, no, I think uh, Traquan Fegans would be, you know, I think I think that's just a big, I think that's a big get, like, you know, for Miami to kind of bring on campus. Uh, Demarcus Van Dyke, Travis Robinson have done a good job here for a long time. Like, you know, just kind of making him a priority with, you know, obviously the way the cornerback position has shaken out the past couple cycles. 
it's good that you're like, you know, stacking, you know, top two, four, seven talents and getting them on, on, on campus. And so I, I think that's a, I think that's definitely important. And, uh, you know, I know the family's a big fan of Miami. Dad is, dad is a big fan of South Florida and all that stuff. And, you know, just like the weather aspect of it. And just like, you know, he's, he enjoyed his time in Coral Gables too. So I think it's going to be a, a big trip for the family as they, you know, continue to, to work closer to a decision. Who would you say is the biggest competition for Miami at this stage for, for Traquan? Yeah, I think, uh, I know Georgia has been involved for a long time. You know, I know that the school that he really likes South Carolina, I believe is doing a really good job with him too. I know Oklahoma, uh, again, has been really involved there. I'm not sure how much the Crimson Tide are involved there, but I feel like they can just kind of flip a switch and, you know, if they decide that they want him, I think that it would be, you know, pretty easy for them to make up ground there. So, I mean, I feel like Miami's in a good spot. I know UCF is planning. I know they're planning to do an official visit to UCF too. So I would say the Knights are involved. Uh, you know, I know, I know that they've done a really good job with, with vegans as well. So, you know, I think South Carolina, Oklahoma, UCF are, are a few of the schools to, to kind of keep an eye out for in this recruitment. So yeah, Traquan big six foot two, 108 pound yeah. cornerback, uh, ranked in the top 100 of the 24 seven sports composite big time recruit that weekend. Uh, it looks like he's going to be one of five official visitors yep. at this stage, right? It could grow. Um, but he'll be joining Anthony Jones out of, uh, Nevada tight end prospect Malik Agbo, who we've talked about in the past four-star offensive tackle out of Washington state, Jordan Allen, a safety slash big nickel type, uh, three-star guy out of, uh, Louisiana. And then Chris Graves, a uh, six foot one. Miami likes him at cornerback, correct? Yeah, yeah. Out Miami of, likes uh, Chris Fort out Myers. Of Bureau, yeah. So, you know that that first weekend, Miami's going to get after it with with some official visits. Um, later in the month, Gabby, Miami had Miami set up a official visit with one of the top linebacker prospects in the state. Tell us what we need to know there. Yeah. So, uh, DeMario Tolan, you know, he confirmed that he's going to be in Miami for an official visit weekend of the 25th to the 28th. Uh, you know, that, that's a, that he's going to be, the, that's, he's the only guy that has set up an official visit for that weekend. So, um, you know, it might sound weird that he might be there alone or, you know, as of right now, it sounds like he's going to be, he's going to be the only one that weekend. He's going to be the only one there that weekend, but he was on Miami's campus earlier this year in March, uh, prior to the Under Armour Miami camp. So he was walking around Miami's campus that time. And then Manny Diaz actually got a chance to see him in person at the Under Armour Miami camp because his son was competing with the linebacker group as well. So, um, you know, then he, then DeMario Tolan's going to come back for the cookout on June 1st before the official visit on the 25th. So this is a guy that's going to, that, you know, is going to spend a lot of time around Miami. Uh, you know, I think Miami's one of the premier, you know, contenders here. I uh, actually got off the phone with him last night and, you know, it seems like Ishmael Aristide and, you know, his connection to the Orlando area um, is just a really big factor here. And, you know, it's, he told me that, you know, their their relationship is is a little different from the rest, you know, just given like the fact that they know a lot of the same people and all that stuff. So I, I feel good about where Miami stands with DeMario Tolan at this point. Um, I know he's also going to take a trip to Tennessee and then he's going to go to Auburn and then he will be at LSU. And those are his three official visits before the Miami one. And then he has some unofficial visits that he's kind of bouncing around in his head. You know, Florida State, Clemson, uh, Florida, North Carolina are, and UCF are a couple of the other schools that he's either 
planning on getting to or considering getting to unofficially. And, uh, you know, he said a decision could come at some point before his senior season. So you know, I think Miami's going to get more cracks at him than probably any other school. So I think uh, I, I feel good about where Miami's at there. And I think they're doing a really good job with him. I know you don't have a crystal ball prediction for him yet. Um, but if I forced you to make one now, where would you put it? Yeah, I, I would probably put it on Miami, honestly. And, uh, you know, just because of the factors that I mentioned, you know, obviously, you know, with these guys have not being able to see a lot of schools, you know, due to the dead period and all that stuff. And the fact that, you know, he's already spent time on Miami's campus and then will two more times uh, before he makes a decision. I just feel like, you know, Miami's he's just giving Miami like a really serious look. I think, you know, the fact that he's going to be there June 1st when he could be at, you know, other schools is, is telling too that he's going to make his way down from Orlando. So I, I feel good about where Miami stands right now. And, you know, I just like, that's where, that's where my crystal ball would probably be right now, honestly, if I had to make one. And which, and again, all this can change because he's going to take official yeah. visits um, every week in June, it looks like. So, but, but going into this month of June, who, who is the team you're kind of viewing as Miami's main competition? Yeah, I know LSU's been in it for a long time, you know, or at least, you know, the past few months, DeMario Tolan kind of started taking off, like, you know, after his kind of junior film started making the rounds, after he put up some impressive track times in the 110-meter hurdle. So I know LSU's been involved for a little bit here. So I, I would probably view LSU as maybe a primary contender. Uh, I think Florida State's in there too. I'm not sure how much at this point. I like I, I was more worried about Florida State maybe a little earlier in this process than I am right now, but I would probably view um, I would probably view LSU as one of the primary contenders right now. And then Blake Baker, um, yeah, Blake Baker is actually the one recruiting him. So Blake Baker can uh, can Ishmael Aristide out recruit Blake Baker? Um, I hope so. <laughs> I really, really hope so. I believe that they can. And yeah, and I, honestly, I think uh, I think a monkey wrench in this could be if Clemson decides to offer. Uh, you know, okay. they don't do, they're not doing a lot of like summer official visits and all that stuff, but, uh, you know, he might go spend time over there. If Clemson does decide to offer, uh, we've seen how that's kind of shaken things up in the past for people. So I think if Clemson does pull the trigger there eventually, um, I think that that could potentially make things interesting. So you mentioned DeMario will be there for the June 1st cookout Miami's hosting. Um, yeah. and I understand you got some new names you've been able to confirm that will be joining DeMario uh, for that day as well for unofficial visits. Yeah. So, um, I mean, two big names that confirmed, uh, you know, the defensive line duo out of, out of Homestead, uh, Daniel Lyons, the four-star defensive tackle and Dante Anderson, the four-star edge rusher. Uh, so both of those guys are, are going to be in Miami. Uh, Miami's, you know, involved with both of those guys. And then also Mario Eugenio, who's a, another edge guy out of the Tampa area. Who's, uh, you know, kind of seen his stock rise this off season. He won, a pretty sure if he was no he wasn't defensive line mvp but he was really good at the under armor miami camp mm -hmm. you know he beat julian armello a whole bunch of times uh miami ended up offering um you know i think a little maybe like a month later so miami's you know sort of started to involve themselves with him uh, i think iowa state a few others are are involved there but yeah so you know the list continues to grow also um not on my sheet because we did this before but trevel mullen is also another guy who's who confirmed for june 1st Cool. And that's the younger brother of Trayvon Mullen, who's with the Las Vegas Raiders. And he's a four-star out of Coconut Creek. So that's another guy that, again, another four-star corner that Miami's involved with that they've continued to, you know, stay in a, in a high standing with. 
And it seems like there's a lot of those guys. It almost feels like we have no idea how this cornerback board could eventually shake out because it just seems like they're in a, a really good position with, with numerous guys. And, you know, Trevor Mullen, it seems like is definitely one of them. I know he has an official visit to Indiana set up. That's where his middle brother, Taiwan, plays at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think Indiana is definitely a, a contender here, but I know Miami's, uh, Miami's definitely in there as well. So another thing I want to touch on before we get into your your stops on the recruiting trail here recently is it, it's been kind of noticeable how Garen Justice has been extending a lot of official offers uh, to offensive linemen around the country. Um, briefly take us through who the who those guys are, what we need to know about them, and, and I guess generally, does Miami have a shot, you feel like, with any of these guys? Yeah, so um, Garen Justice has offered a, a few guys. I'm going to highlight a few that I think are are worth noting at this point. It's like five or six names, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you three that I think are are definitely cool. yeah. Just to keep in mind, I think Braden Miller. Uh, you know, he's a six seven two eighty five founder out of uh, Aurora, Colorado. Uh, I think Miami's doing a good job with him. I was actually just I'm actually currently in the process of like direct messaging him. So, you know, just to kind of see how things are going over there. So should have a story on him up soon. But I think, uh, you know, Miami feels maybe out of the new offers, like the most recent ones, I feel like they feel like they may they might have the best shot with him. So I think Braden Miller, uh, you know, could potentially be a name to know just, you know, as we continue to move forward in this process. A name I'm super intrigued by is Jacob Hood. You know, he has a basketball background, you know, played basketball, like, you know, in middle school, six foot eight, 350 pounds. Yeah, just a massive, massive human being. Uh, Georgia and Auburn both have official visits. So, you know, again, like star rating isn't going to, you know, wow you, but you know, you kind of see the programs that are involved and you're like, okay, like, you know, this kid's got something going on. And then you turn on the tape and you just see this massive frame moving around the way he does. And it's a, it's definitely some impressive stuff. So Jacob Hood is a name I'm, I'm pretty intrigued with. Um, another one that he offered that, you know, he's getting gaining, I feel like a lot of national attention to is George Fitzpatrick, another Colorado kid. Uh, 6'6", 285, the number 32 offensive tackle on the composite, you know, Notre Dame, Michigan, Arizona State, you know, they, they, they got some, you know, some of those big 10 programs are heavily involved or just like those Midwest programs, uh, you know, with Notre Dame in there. And I know Michigan's pushing as well. So this is a guy that, you know, I feel like Miami, I'm not sure if they're, if I would say late to the party, but I just feel like, you know, those two programs, you know, to kind of fall behind a Notre Dame and a Michigan for an offensive lineman, uh, you know, it's probably not the best position to be in. So that's why, you know, I'm not, I'm not exactly writing him off, but that's why I kind of feel better about maybe some of the other guys that sure that uh, Miami kind of offered. But I think that that's a notable name just because I think that he's a really, really talented dude. And I know Miami really likes him. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if, if, you know, Garen can convince any of these guys to come this summer, whether it's official or unofficial visits to Miami, because that will definitely be a big indicator of their interest level. Um, like I said earlier, Gabby, you've been on the road, right? Uh, various South Florida high school football programs taking in some spring practices. Um, let's start at your first stop you made last week. You went to Homestead High School, saw a couple of, of talented defensive linemen. Uh, both, I think, are rated three stars by the composite. Daniel Lyons, defensive tackle. Dante Anderson, edge guy. Um Tell us what we need to know about those guys. Yeah, you know, these are two guys that Miami really likes. I mean, these, I mean, Miami's talking to these guys every single day. You know, Daniel Lyons and uh, Dante Anderson are both hearing from Coach Jess Simpson. You know, I know Lyons and Jess Simpson have had a relationship for a long time. Uh, 
you know, Jess Simpson was Miami's defensive line coach lines his freshman year. And, you know, so they have, you know, they've been familiar with each other for, for some time now. And um, so I think Miami's really, really involved for both of those guys. They're both going to be, again, like I just mentioned on Miami's campus June 1st. Uh, you know, the idea is that they play college, their college football together. It doesn't seem they're, that they're like super like tied to that or like, you know, going to kind of force it. But it sounds like something that 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 sounds like something that they would like to do at this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it seems like Miami's one of those programs that where they could like kind of make it happen. Um, you know, so I think uh, I think that that would be interesting. I know Penn State um, in, is involved for both of those guys. Uh, but for for Daniel, Oklahoma is another school that's in there. Uh, Florida State, uh, Georgia Tech, or a couple other programs in there. And for Dante, it just seems like it just seems like Miami's really on him. Like you know, like I know we saw him at the Under Armour camp, and you know we're kind of talking about like is he's kind of a little bit of a tweener. You know, obviously he's on the thinner side. You know, yeah. it doesn't have the Shamar Stewart, Nigel e. Kelly type of frame where it's like, oh my gosh, this kid's like a freak of nature. Um, you know, he definitely has some development that he's going to have to, you know, go through where, when he gets to college. But, you know, it just seems like, you know, from talking to him that Miami's talking to him every single day. And, you know, again, this is a guy just that they're just really kind of liking that they've liked for a long time. I feel like every time I talk to him, it's all, it's always like, you know, Miami's heavily involved. So uh, I know that those are two guys that Miami's really going after and, you know, just kind of watching them throughout the day. Like, you know, I saw Dan, you know, Daniel Lyons, you, you, you can just tell he's one of those guys that just kind of fits what Miami wants to do on defense, you know, could really just kind of create havoc in the middle of a, just in the middle of that defensive line. Uh, Dante Anderson's just a speed guy off the edge, just, you know, has a really quick first step and just has a knack for, you know, using his speed to kind of just get around offensive linemen. And, you know, we, I saw him do it as a junior for Homestead, uh, saw it in practice again. And, you know, you can kind of see the intrigue there and, you know, why Miami kind of, you know, likes him and feels like he could help them down the line. So I think those are, those are definitely two names to know in this, uh, in this class of 22 that, you know, Miami is going to continue to uh, to push for. In your opinion, is Daniel kind of the, the gem of the two? Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I would say so just because, you know, when you look at the defensive, like the interior defensive linemen, uh, especially locally, uh, you know, I feel like he just stands out, you know, and just like when you consider the defend the interior defensive lineman that Miami's kind of going after, uh, I don't even feel like he's the gem of both of them. I feel like he's just the gem at the position, okay. like, you know, like at the defensive, at the defensive tackle position, I feel like he's the guy that, uh, you Miami really hopes that they're able to land. How does, I'm curious on your take on this. How does Dante, and you probably didn't see him at the same stage, but just how, how does Dante compare in your opinion, maybe to body type? the body type of Sam Brooks. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't see a lot of Sam Brooks again, like I, I know with Western. So I like, I don't know how much I can, but I know like Dante Anderson's got to be like maybe six, four, like maybe like a hair over 200 pounds, you know, like I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what Sam Brooks measured at when he was at Northwestern, but um, man, I, I, I could, it's like, hard can to he play me. linebacker, I guess. That's is what, what I'm, I'm trying to figure out. That's what I'm trying to figure out. And I honestly don't know. Like I, yeah. I've never seen Dante Anderson, like drop back into coverage. Right. You know? So I, I don't know if that's something that he can do. I I'm sure Miami might have a better idea if that's something that he could do. But I just feel like when you also look at the linebackers that they're kind of recruiting and stuff, like, do you want a Dante Anderson type, like being an outside linebacker for you when it comes to covering a, a running back or I mean I, I'm just not sure if he could do that at a high level at this stage honestly and, right. and that's partially just because I haven't seen him do it 
if I were if I were betting, I would probably say that he sticks like as an edge guy. Yeah, generally, I'm not a fan of having high school defensive ends play linebacker. It, it yeah. works sometimes, but more times than not, it's it's a tough transition. So, anyone else at home said any young guys to touch on, or should we move on? Um, young guys, a couple. David Jester is a six. He's like you know he's a guy that has a Miami offer. Uh, I think he was listed at on his twenty four seven profile like six foot, like one sixty. He's easily six three. You know, he told me he weighed in at one seventy nine. So I think he really hit a growth spurt over this past like you know six seven months. And uh, you know he looks like a dude, like he really really does. I still think that there's a little bit of a development that needs to still happen there as a receiver, as a pass catcher. You know, he dropped a few passes, but you know, his, his frame is really really exciting, and that's a loaded twenty twenty three wide receiver class. Uh, I think he should be mentioned with some of those guys, maybe not on the level of Jalen Brown, Brandon Innes, uh, probably not even on the level of maybe like a Santana Fleming or a Nathaniel Joseph or anything like that. But I think he could be in like that third tier of guys where it's just, you're still getting a solid guy, but you know, just with how loaded the group is, I think he's maybe not quite there yet, but physically he's very impressive. All right. Let's go from South Dade County to North Dade County. You, you yeah. stopped by uh, Miami central, right? Who's always loaded. Um, so I'll let you take this where you want to take it. Who do you want to start with, uh, highlighting from, from Miami central? Yeah, I think just think you got to start with Wesley, the saint, you know, he's one of the hurricanes top targets in this class 2022, you know, top two, four, seven linebacker. Um, you know, one of the things I noticed just about being at the practice with him is just like, he has such like a quiet confidence, you Mm -hmm. know, like he kind of just like puts his head, he just kind of goes through his business. But then when you start seeing them get into like those team activities where it's like offense against defense, you kind of see that, that switch flip and he kind of gets like that. He kind of has like that alpha mentality where he hits right. you and he's just like going to let you know that he hit you. And he's not like a raw, raw type of guy, but like, you know, he's going to let you know that he's there and you're going to be fully aware of what he can do at all times on the field. So, you know, I really like that about him. I think he has like a lot of strong leadership characteristics, which is something I noticed about, you know, my time over there. And then, you know, Miami's just obviously a school that's pushing a lot. You know, he's going to be there June 1st. Uh, you know, Miami's a school that's heavily involved for him. Uh, you know, he's going to officially visit, you know, so that was uh, that was new too, that he said that he was going to officially visit also. Uh, he's going to be there that June 18th weekend. And, uh, you know, I think that's a big deal for Miami to just continue to get him on campus. As, you know, he wants to make a decision at some point during his senior year. But, you know, he's going to take some visits now to um, Penn State and West Virginia. He wants to officially visit Florida state during the season. So, um, you know, I just think this is a guy that Miami just continue, needs to continue to battle out, battle it out for. I really think it's still a Miami, Florida state battle. Like I absolutely get those kind of vibes from him. Yeah. And so, you know, but I think that this is a guy that Miami needs to land at the position. Like you kind of see where the linebacker room is right now. And again, that's not a knock to Corey flag or any of those guys, but you know, you could see how an addition of a guy like Wesley, the Saint would just really take it. He would kind of be a piece that might, that would just really, really help Miami as like, you know, they continue to move forward. And then anyone else at central? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Richardson, you know, he's the guy, he's an offensive tackle. He recently made the move to central from Miami Edison, uh, offensive lineman, six, five, like two eighty five. you know, really honestly, that was the first time I kind of really got a chance to like see him. And, you know, I thought he looked really good. You know, Wesley, the Saint came started rushing off the edge a few times. Uh, you know, as just like a part of like one of uh, Central's defensive packages. And, you know, Richardson more than held his own against him. I, w- I would say that he won a few reps against Wesley the Saint. And you know, I know for I know that this is a guy that Miami really likes. Uh, you know, it was kind of a late offer for a local guy. 
but uh you know from what i understand that there are reasons for it for the fact that it was laid off or i know miami had been in communication with him for a long time so i think he's absolutely a name to know you know as we continue to move forward here florida state again i think is in a really good spot he is a tallahassee native and uh you know he spent time in tallahassee for their spring game you know he was planning to commit may 9th or may 8th originally and i think if he stuck to those plans florida state would have been the pick uh you know after he said he talked it over with his dad and you know they decided to push it back into like late july but uh you know garen justice has been pushing a lot here uh demarcus van dyke had like an hour conversation with richardson's father so you know i think that this is a this is a guy miami's really identifying now like you know as the local offensive lineman uh and i know that's a part of the plan offensive line you know garen justice is gonna want to recruit locally before they start moving nationally. And he'll, he'll say, like, they'll go get a, a, an offensive lineman from, an, from anywhere, but they want to make sure that they take care of their home base first, that they would rather get an offensive lineman from home. So, uh, yeah, Daughtry Richardson would definitely be a name to know uh, out of Miami Central and just in this class of 2022. So, yeah, the, the Knowles 24-7 crew, four predictions on the crystal ball, all to Florida State, um, you know, I guess do you do you agree with that with where things stand now? Would you would you do you feel like Florida State is definitely the team to beat as things stand right now? I mean, I, I do. I do think Florida State's the team to beat, but you know, I do think Miami's really gonna give him something to think about. You know, I, I do think that a part of him just wishes he got the Miami offer earlier, but I think now that they have offered, I think they're making it a point to know, like to let him know the, how much they want him and all that stuff. And I think the fact that, you know, the commitment's going to, is getting pushed back to July, I think is going to give Miami a really good chance to, you know, just make up the ground that they needed to make up in this. I still feel like Florida state is going to be in it until the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, I still feel like they're going to be probably the team to beat. Um, but I, I, I feel, I, I do also feel good about Miami's chances just because, you know, again, he's going to be on campus June 1st. You know, he was really excited about, you, you know, going to Miami about being able to be there. And, you know, just kind of meet with the coaches and stuff. And he really just seems eager to learn more about the program and be around the program and all that stuff. So I think if Miami continues to do a good job here and kind of show him that this is, that he's a guy that they want, um, I honestly do feel good about Miami's chances to be able to make up ground here because, uh, you know, honestly, I just think it's a better situation for him. They know, I mean, he knows that, you know, Miami's going to lose a lot of offensive linemen in 2022. Um, and it, I think he understands that this is a situation you can walk into and, you know, not play right away, but, you know, be able to, you know, compete and, you know, be a part and be a part of things. And just like maybe as a redshirt freshman, be able to maybe find a spot on the line. So that was something that he pointed out to me. So I think that Miami's in a, in a good spot here, honestly, along with Florida state, I would put Miami right behind them with them kind of creeping up, right. Just right behind them. And his background, do you know, like he, he lived in Tallahassee, right? But is he yeah. from there or was he, is he from South Florida, then moved to Tallahassee, then moved back? Do you know, I mean, do you know that the whole background there? I, I don't, I don't. I just know he was from Tallahassee and then he moved down here and it just seems like, you know, he still feels like Miami's home, you know, like he's like, oh, I stay right by the Hard Rock Stadium. Like I would love to play at Hard Rock Stadium. Like that's what he told me after he got the offer. So, you know, I feel, I feel like he is, I think he's more tied to Miami than he is to Tallahassee. If I'm being honest, like just from my conversations with him, like, I don't feel like he's, I don't feel like the fact that like Tallahassee is where he's from is what's drawing him to Florida state. I really think it's just like, you know, the fact that the staff has been on him for a long time and they've done a good job recruiting him. I think that has a lot more to do with it 
than like him being from Tallahassee. I, but with Miami, I feel like, you know, the fact that it is Miami and being able to be here would probably be more of a, would probably play more into the favor of Miami rather than it would for Florida state. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I will say he caught my eye at the Under Armour camp. Uh, what was it? February now? Yeah. He, he's, he's definitely long. Uh, you know, he's got to clean up some things like a lot of high school guys do, but uh, you can definitely see the upside there. And uh, you know, another Miami, Florida state battle. It's going to be fun to follow this summer. Who else, who else do we need to know about any younger guys at, at at central in 2023. Yeah. I mean, defensive lineman, Ruben Bain, you know, this is a guy that the people around central absolutely rave about. Uh, you know, they, this is a guy that they're just like super high on. They think that this kid's like an absolute superstar. Um, you know, he's a top two, four, seven kid on for the, for, you know, two, four, seven sports. Um, you know, he had like 13, he forced like nine fumbles as a sophomore. Like this kid played a ton for, uh, you know, a central team that won a six, a state title. Uh, so, you know, this is Miami. He's related to Tolbert Bain, former Miami defensive back Tolbert Bain that won a national championship here. You know, his family is all Miami fans. Like he was telling me like, his uncle has season tickets for UM. So he comes from a Miami family and, uh, you know, he's going to be at Miami June 2nd for the, the 2023, you know, cookout type deal. And, you know, that's the only visit that he says he has planned at this point. Like it's just Miami. And, you know, he said, he said that, you know, the contact between him and Jess Simpson has really started to pick up recently that they've gone on a couple FaceTimes and stuff. And, you know, they've kind of started building their relationship in that way. So you know, again, I, I mean, super early, super, super early crystal ball might be on Miami just because of all the ties and stuff to the program. Like, but you know, this obviously has a long way to go. I'm sure a bunch of other programs are still going to get involved here, but you know, I think, uh, I think Miami's in a pretty good spot just based on like, you know, the family history and all that stuff. I know we talk about legacies and all that stuff and how that always works out. But, um, you know, Ruben Bain had a lot of great things to say about Miami. So I feel like they're in a good spot nice and early in this one. Anyone else at Central or move on to the next stop? Yeah. Yeah. I also saw Lamar, Lamar Seymour. He's a 2023 okay. Miami commit. Um, you know, he, he showed some flashes of some things. You know, I, I honestly, I just kind of believe that, like, you know, that was a bit early, like just a bit premature on, you know, accepting a commitment. And again, that just goes, that just ties back into just like the loaded class of wide receivers at 2023. You know, he, he, you could see that he has a size. And again, the people at Central are super excited about him too. You know, just him kind of stepping into, you know, just becoming an upperclassman. You know, they plan on using him in the slot on the outside in a whole bunch of different ways. So, you know, they are excited about him, but, you know, I, I kind of saw him and, you know, I, you could still see that there's still like some steps that he needs to take in order to be like, you know, kind of that guy where like, you know, I'd feel super good about Miami kind of holding on to that right now. And just, and we know the history of just these really early commitments in South right. Florida. Like, so that's why I'm just like not even putting so much weight into it or anything like that. And so, I mean, I thought he looked good, but you know, nothing, I, I'm just not ready to like get there, you know, just get there with him yet, you know, just sure. kind of like see how that, see how that continues to just kind of progress. And then yesterday, Monday, you stopped at Monsignor Pace. Um, I guess, you know, the home of Shabar Stewart, five stars, top 10 player in the country, according to the 24 seven sports composite. Before we get into the recruiting stuff, I'm curious, just your opinion of how he looked, how did he practice? Did he go hard? Cause sometimes a lot of these guys just kind of loaf in practice. I'm curious, what, what were your thoughts on his performance from what you saw? Yeah, no, they did not let him take it easy. Like they were making sure that the intensity was high and all that stuff. He, he was going at it, man. Like I, I tweeted out a video where like they like pulled, they were running just like some like six man stuff. And 
you know, the guard pull, like the, the guard from the right side pulled and Shamar Stewart just like lifts him into the air, like just absolutely like blows him up. And so, yeah, he was going really hard. He was high energy, man. He just looks, he just looks good physically. Like, you know, just, he looks like he is a college defensive end right now. You know, I don't know how many high school seniors are six five two sixty the way that he is, you know, his legs are tree trunks, you know, he is who people say he is in, in it, just like the way he looks physically. And then you kind of see him turn it on at times. And it's just like, wow, man, like, I don't know how many people are going to be able to do like how many people are going to be able to block this or do anything about what Shamar Stewart decides that he wants to do. So, I mean, I was super impressed with just his overall effort and just like kind of like the way that the, you know, the pace staff kind of makes sure that he's still, you know, going at full speed and still like kind of being the leader of the defense, even though, you know, he doesn't really have much to prove to any of those guys. So yeah, I was, I was impressed with the way that he, that he was moving and all that. So with recruiting, I mean, obviously Miami had two defensive ends selected in the first round of, of the recent NFL draft. You know, I'm sure you got to talk to Shamar. Did, did that come up at all? Yeah, it did. He said that he had, he got text messages from Miami's whole defensive staff Friday morning saying that, uh, you know, that he was like, you know, we had two first rounders selected on Thursday. You know, we got two, we got two first rounders at your position and all that stuff. So he was getting a bunch of text messages from those guys and Jess Simpson and DeMarcus Van Dyke are like, you know, his two primary points of contact. So he was talking with those guys, you know, going back and forth and messaging with those guys about it. So yeah, Miami definitely reminded him multiple times that, you know, they had two first rounders drafted. And this one, you know, all the SEC, it seems like is, is heavily involved. You know, is it, is this one just going to take, it's going to be a long, long simmer. This is going to be be a long one. I straight up passed him. I was like, Hey man. So like, are you, you're going to drag this on, huh? Like, and he was like, yep, we're going to the very end. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, all right, man. And you know, he goes to a Catholic school. A lot of those times those schools don't allow early enrollees. So by the very end, I don't mean like the early signing period. I mean like the February signing period, like this could easily go into 2022 and all that stuff. And till he kind of figures out where he wants to go. Like I, I don't expect any, commitment or anything like that anytime soon he is officially visiting lsu at some point this summer um miami and georgia are battling it out to see if they can get him on campus june 1st he hasn't really made up his mind about what he's gonna do there Uh, miami obviously would be the simpler option because he would just have to drive down the road if he wants to go to georgia he's gonna have to make a a trip over there and so yeah this is gonna be an interesting one he keeps a lot of things you know tight to the vest you know he doesn't he generally doesn't speak a lot about any school, kind of has a lot of good things to say about every school. So it's hard to kind of get a, a read on where he's leaning. So I think with this one, you just got to, you know, continue to follow the visits. If he's in Miami June 1st, obviously that's a good sign. I think if he heads to Georgia on June 1st, uh, you know, I, I think that that's probably, yeah, it would be just, dis- I think if you're Miami, that would be disappointing uh, just because of, you know, all the guys that you are getting on campus and stuff and what that day is supposed to kind of like signify down here. So uh, I think that June 1st date is going to be pretty telling about, you know, where Shamar Stewart kind of stands with Miami. And then young guys, Pace got some young guys, huh? Yeah, man, they got some 2024s. And I know like, you know, some people are going to hear 2024s and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even like, this is, I'm still trying to figure out what the heck is going on with this class. Right. But man, they got some, they got some studs. They got three 2024s with Miami offers. Uh, their quarterback, Adrian Posse, 
you know, six, a legit six foot four has a big, big arm, you know, the head coach there at pace, Mario Perez, you know, he's an offensive guy. He was at American heritage for a long time, you know, with those, with those really, really good uh, American heritage offenses and all that stuff. So, you know, he knows what he's doing and he found himself a good one in posse. And then, you know, a guy that they really, really talk highly about is uh, receiver Jeremiah Smith you know, already has Georgia, Miami, Texas A&M and Pitt offers. Uh, you know, he's already over six foot. I would say probably like six foot one right now. Uh, just a really smooth route runner. You can tell he's going to be like a dude in that 2024 mm-hmm. class. Like, you know, this time in two years from now, like we're going to be like, where's Jeremiah Smith leaning? Like, where does Miami stand to Jeremiah Smith? Because like, he's that type of dude. And so, yeah, that's, you know, for those that want to kind of get a head start on that and be like, the, I told you that this kid is a stud and get, have bragging rights with all your friends that you knew about him first. I would get to know Jeremiah Smith for sure. Uh, Jojo Trader is another guy, two-way guy. He wasn't there. He was sick, but he's another, you know, wide receiver, cornerback type guy that, you know, he has a, 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 a Miami offer. And then they're bringing in a, a linebacker from True Prep. His name is Vincent Shavers. You know, he was an FBU All-American. Andrew Ivins had a chance to see him in Naples uh, late last year in December. And he was, he was kind of recognized as, you know, one of the top performers at the event. And, you know, this is a guy that Coach Perez believes is going to have like 30 plus offers when it's all said and done. Like he thinks that this is going to be like a blue chip linebacker, you know, already holds a Syracuse offer. So, you know, that, that that's a special group of 2024s that they have at, at Monsignor Pace. So definitely going to be covering the school a lot in the coming years because those guys are, are definitely going to be a bunch of dudes. All right, Gabby, you're the man dropping a ton of recruiting nuggets, the recruiting scoop on the pod. Uh, always appreciate it. Uh, for, for people who don't subscribe to Inside the U, uh, I would recommend jumping on board because if you can't tell yet, June's going to be crazy. Uh, it's going to be a fun recruiting time for, for the Miami Hurricanes football program, for every program as things open up. Uh, always appreciate the insight you provide, Gabby. Um, and, and you're always dropping insider scoop. I guess let's give give the fans a preview maybe. Where, where are you planning to hit next? Do you have anything set? Yeah, so I'm actually going to be at Gulliver Prep later on today. You know, that's where uh, Travis Lathan, you know, a uh, top 247 linebacker, uh, he's going to be at Miami June 1st, so he's there. Uh, Jalen Brown, who's one of the top 2023 wide receivers, you know, he just he just went 10-6-6 in the 100 meter, and re and he was a, he was a re, he won regionals in the 4A tra- in his 4A track meet, so he's headed to states. You know, people around Jalen Brown and around Gulliver have told me he's going to break his PR. Uh, in states this coming weekend, I believe it's in Jacksonville. So they're they're telling me to stay tuned for like something in like the ten five range. And I think if he did that, that would oh. just be absolutely absurd. So I mean, the ten six six is already like is already wild. So and they have a couple other twenty twenty threes at at uh, Deliver that I believe are going to start getting some looks too. And it's cornerback Daniel Harris. He's a younger brother of Donald Harris. He went ten seven four in the same track meet. So, you know, this is a really long kid, probably around like 6'2 already, super long arms, great ball skills, picked off Nick Evers when I was with, uh, you know, when I was up there in Dallas watching some seven-on-seven action. So I think that he's one of the sleepers in the class of 2023 right now. And they got Antonio Smith, a big 6'4 kid, probably transition to safety and be a really, really good one. So, you know, I think that they have some, I think they got some dudes at Gulliver Prep, especially in that 2023 class that that you know are definitely worth noting also cedric Irvin jr who's a top two four seven running back so you know they got plenty of guys over there so i'm gonna spend some time over in south miami today all right recruiting never stops gabby never stops bringing the juice uh appreciate the podcast gabby is a fun one 
and uh, take care, all right? Absolutely, David. Let's do this again next week. Definitely.